welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. This gospel passage today is of the second account of Jesus feeding a multitude of people. The first time he did it, there were 5,000 men and 12 baskets full of pieces left over. In this account, the second time, there were 4,000 men and seven basketfuls left over. A few uh, verses after this passage, Jesus himself points out to his disciples uh, the fact that this has happened twice now, drawing attention to and contrasting the two different occasions. He said, When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And they, and 7,000 for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up after that? And they said to him, seven. Now this story of a miraculous feeding uh, is sort of an anchor here in Mark's narrative around which a few other stories right before and after it are tied. And this happens a lot in the Gospels. There are themes that connect adjoining stories, and you really have to read them in context of each other in order to perceive those themes. Now, the context of Jesus' feeding of the 4,000 today, as Mark puts it, is in those days. In what days? Well, in the days that Jesus had been traveling around the northern outskirts of Israel. He had been hanging out in the region of Tyre and Sidon, uh, in modern-day Lebanon, what was then called uh, Syrophoenicia, when he encountered the Syrophoenician woman who had the demon-possessed daughter. She was the one who, uh, when Jesus told her that he had come to feed the children of Israel first and that it was wrong to give, uh, throw their bread to the dogs, she said that even the dogs on the table eat the crumbs of the children. And right after this, after that story with that woman, Jesus and his disciples went southeast uh, across the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. This was across the Jordan River. And the Decapolis is the region of the ten cities, a very mixed sort of Gentile region. This was the far eastern um, border of the Roman Empire. And this is where he was when he performed this miracle today, the feeding of the 4,000 people. So after spending time in the largely Gentile areas of Syrophoenicia, and then in the Decapolis, and healing and feeding people, begging for help, and following him for three days without food, we read right after today's passage, that he crosses back over the Sea of Galilee and goes to Dalmanutha, or possibly Magdala, which was probably back on the Galilean side of the lake. Here he encounters some Pharisees that immediately started trying to argue with him and demand a sign from him. Uh, So he, you know, after encountering them, the gospel says that he sighs deeply, (laughs) probably rolling his eyes as well, they get back into the boat and immediately cross the lake again. So he spends a lot of time with all these Gentiles, does these miracles, gets in a boat, goes over to the city, he gets off the boat, and the Pharisees start haranguing him. He sighs, rolls his eyes, gets back in the boat, and crosses the lake again. I love this story. Here's how Mark puts it. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dominutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, 
no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. (laughs) So with all of that context established, let's read now what happens as Jesus and his disciples are back in the boat after dealing with the Pharisees, and they're sailing to the other side of the lake again. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. This is understandable as there seems to be a lot of last-minute changing of plans with Jesus as he's traveling. And after the annoying encounter with the Pharisees, he seems to have wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. So they get in the boat and they only have one loaf of bread with them. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now again, I picture Jesus still ruminating on this frustrating encounter with the Pharisees. So they're sitting in the boat, he's got this on his mind, and you can almost picture him just sitting there thinking about this, and then out loud he says to his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they, his disciples, began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. (laughs) Those poor disciples, they just didn't get it so much of the time. So... Mark says, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts that hardened? Have you no eyes? Have you eyes but do not see, and having ears you do not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of broken pieces uh, that you took up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Now here, Jesus seems to be trying to draw their attention to an apparent symbolism hidden in the meaning of his miracles. He asked them, how many basketfuls after this miracle? And they were like, 12. How many basketfuls after this miracle? And they said, seven. So he's apparently drawing their attention to these numbers. These numbers do seem to be significant, right? Um, Do you not understand, he asks. Well, understand what, Jesus? What could this mean? Unlike in some other places in the Gospels where Jesus asked the disciples if they understand the meaning of something that he said, neither Jesus nor the Gospel narrator, Mark in this case, gives us readers the explicit answer to his question. You know, in some places Jesus will say something, the disciples ask, what do you mean? And he'll take them aside and say, this is what I'm talking about. Or sometimes the Gospel narrator will say, this is what Jesus meant by this. Well, that doesn't happen right here in Mark. But, of course, Jesus asking this question, do you not understand what this means, has led to various interpretations uh, by preachers and commentators over the centuries. But most likely and most probable, I think, is this. The first miracle, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, leaving 12 baskets, represented the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 almost always means refers to the 12 tribes of Israel. It's a number very associated with the Hebrews and their history. And the second miracle, leaving seven baskets, I think represented the seven nations of the Gentiles. Now seven, of course, uh, is an important number that represents things like fullness and creation itself, the whole world, etc. But the seven nations theory, um, I think is, it makes the most sense when contrasted here with the 12 Hebrew tribes. So if the 12 refers to the Hebrew tribes, the 7, I think, refers to the nations of the uh, Gentiles. This comes from Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you go to possess it, 
and cast out many nations before you, the Hittite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them before you, and you strike them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. So this, from Deuteronomy, is uh, the seven nations, the seven great nations that the Hebrews displaced when they move into the land. And the story immediately preceding this miracle, the feeding of the 4,000, about the Syrophoenician woman, the Gentile woman, also lends a lot of weight, I think, to this seven nations interpretation, as that story explicitly sets up the paradigm of how the children of Israel get fed first with bread, i.e. the 12 baskets after the first miracle, and then the little dogs, the Gentiles, get the leftover bread, i.e. the seven leftover baskets after the second miracle. Now, it's no surprise that this might have been over the heads of the disciples at the time. But even if this is the correct interpretation of the obviously very intentional symbolism that Jesus sets up for us in these miracles, is this really the main point that he was trying to get across to the disciples right then? As important as that broader context and that spiritual interpretation are, I think that the immediate context also shouldn't be overlooked. Jesus is giving them a lesson about the Pharisees, and they mistakenly think that he's worried about not having bread. This is the immediate context. So I think what Jesus is really telling them here, first and foremost, uh, aside from any spiritual interpretation about the number of baskets and what all that means, is that when you're with me, you don't need to worry about bread. You need to worry about what I'm saying. Be less concerned with the bodily cares and more concerned with my words. See, Jesus was uh, trying to teach them to be careful of the teaching of the Pharisees, not talking about how much bread he had with them. And in a parallel passage in Matthew, they actually learned the lesson. Uh, this is what Matthew says. Jesus said, How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So in Matthew, he does give us the footnote that the disciples finally got it. He wasn't talking about bread. He was talking about the teaching of the Pharisees. That's what he meant by the leaven. And of course, this is developed uh, much more throughout the New Testament. St. Paul uses this concept of leaven as a, uh, a teaching or a practice or something that is, once it's in your life, once it's in your community, once it's a part of your context, it'll start working its way into all the corners of your life and your thought and your behavior. And so you have to be really careful about what you let in because things can spread and affect all of you, even if it seems like a little thing. It can be powerful, even though it's subtle. So I think this is the main context of Jesus teaching them, hey, beware of the Pharisees, and they think he's talking about bread. And he's like, no, look, what did I just do? with 5,000 people and then with 4,000 people. I multiplied bread for all that. And you think we should be concerned because we're on a boat and we only have one loaf between us. Guys, who are you with? What do you think this is about? This isn't about you know, provisions for our grand tour around Syrophoenicia and the Decapolis. This is about 
learning about the kingdom of God. This is about the truly important things. The bodily matters of how much bread we have in the boat. Nothing in comparison with what I'm saying to you. So when I open my mouth and say something like, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, think about it. Don't just think about the first uh, problem that you already have on your mind. Think about what I'm saying to you. This is the context of how I think we should also read the scriptures when we approach the Gospels and read the words of Jesus. It's important to know what all of the biblical commentators and preachers and church fathers throughout the centuries have said about these things. They give us a guide <coughs> and they tell us uh, you know, what, what to be uh, attentive about, as opposed to when we read the words of Jesus and we automatically think it pertains to this or that issue that we're dealing with, that we currently have in our mind. Sometimes that's God does use the scriptures, the gospels like that for us. But more often than not, Jesus is saying something to us that's a broader, more important lesson than whatever we think is uh, I don't know, specifically being said to us. There's not a single way to read the words of Jesus and know exactly what he means and have the perfect interpretation at all times. We have a lot of tools available to us. And the point that I want us to learn today is that we need to be attentive to the words of Jesus and really consider them. Because when he feeds us with his words, this is the same Christ who can feed the multitudes with a couple loaves of bread. This is the God who is in his bounty, unsearchable. There are no depths. So when he speaks to us, his words are life. They're more important even, than the provisions that we are so concerned about most of the time. What we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're going to do next. This is the lesson uh, that Jesus teaches us when he provides more than we could possibly uh, expect. And then you know, when we aren't sure about what we're going to do next, or aren't sure about our provisions, and Jesus speaks to us, what he's trying to do is open our hearts to the kingdom of God, not just provide the next meal but to provide for our souls the eternal meal. So as we, I hope, uh, continue this week opening our scriptures and reading the words of Christ and the Gospels, approach them this way, not with the ears of the disciples who are too concerned about trivial things on the boat, but with attentive ears, listening truly to what he has to say to us so that we can gain uh, the food of eternity, not just the food for the next day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.